I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your author of the Thoughts on Money blog and your host of the Thoughts on Money podcast. I'm here with my friend, none other than Mr. Sean Latimer. Hey, good morning. We're both really tired today. We played a lot of basketball this morning. so uh, Too much basketball this too morning. Too much. So if it's uh, a boring episode, it's because of us. We might fall asleep in the middle <laughs> of the episode. So um, I'll let you tee us off. Well, I was reading the article and it made me laugh because every time I read the article, I try to think of things that I'm going to talk about on the podcast. And then I realized I need to come up with more stories because uh, this was very similar to uh, the podcast we did probably a month ago. But... No, 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 no. Tell me more. You always say this because uh, I, I thought I was writing something unique and new and you tell me I'm just pushing out the same stuff. It could be too that we talk every day about this stuff. No, so no, I, no. Throw me under the bus no, right no, now no, on I'm the podcast. I'm not throwing under the bus. I'm not throwing under the bus. I can't. I'm throwing myself under the bus that I don't remember sometimes if this has been a recent article or if it's something we talked about at lunch the other day, but I feel like people sweat the small stuff or focus on the wrong things all the time. Like, I, I, have, we, have we talked about this before or is this new? I don't know. I keep like a little note section on my phone. And then when I'm in conversations or ideas, I usually just like throw a title out or a subject. And then throughout the week, I'm just adding to that note section. I was telling somebody earlier, um, fun fact that I've mentioned before, but almost all of these thoughts on money are written on my cell phone, on my couch, which last night was watching the Warriors beat the Kings. So uh, hopefully they can finish that out. So, yeah, good thing the the Warriors won because otherwise it might be a different type of Tom. <laughs> it was funny because I'd write like a couple paragraphs or whatever and then look up and watch and then somebody would go to the free throw line, write a little bit more. So it <laughs> yeah. was, uh, it was, that's why you only got about 800 words today compared to the normal 1,400 words. Well, that's good words. use. That's good time management. You know, it, it, it is interesting though because uh, – so I, we'll just dive right in. So people focus on the wrong things often. Right. And uh, the a joke that I've heard about is that, you know, people say like, well, if you, you know, made your own coffee and you didn't go buy coffee every day, you'd save four dollars a day and it compounds to this. And then uh, it, it, it was making fun of that because it was saying, no, it's not the five dollars you spend on coffee. It's the thousand dollar lease payment that you have in your Range Rover that you can't afford. That's what's killing your financial plan, not the coffee. And uh, I think that it, it speaks to. A lot of conversations I have with clients and friends that they will agonize over like something small, like where they buy shoes and to save $20. But then I, I know they spend way too much money on other stuff. And so it it is so true. It happens every day. Okay, perfect. Now I know what you're talking about. We have talked about that on a podcast of like you mentioned before, like sweating this idea of, you know, spending an extra 20 bucks on basketball shoes, but then not putting as much energy and effort into a much higher expense. Right. What I wanted to develop in this article was even furthermore on whether it's financial planning or investment management, where I find people dwelling, right? And I, I mentioned even one of the paragraphs, like, if you find yourself like, just absolutely staying up in the middle of the night about emerging markets, and then we look at your portfolio in relation to your whole balance sheet, and it's like a 1.5% allocation, let me help you out. That is not the place you want to agonize, right? I'm saying that if, in concert with that, you also have an estate plan that's unfinished, right? Yeah. Now, I know one is more interesting or more appealing or it's grabbed your attention or it's captivated you. I'm just telling you, you got to ask yourself what's more impactful. 
where the, they want to talk to you about the EM position. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, hold on. What about all this other stuff that we're supposed to do and get done? You know, it it, it doesn't move the needle very much. I actually have a, a funny story, and it it is it's almost like you were sitting in the meeting because you wrote about this, but uh, we were reviewing uh, last year's results for uh, a client. And uh, for the most part, I, I don't want to get into specifics, but let's say that, you know, 80 plus percent of the portfolio did better than we expected, right? And uh, Surprise to the upside. Surprise to the upside, right? Because the general markets were down and, and we were looking great. And so I walk into those review meetings feeling pretty good, right? It, it's normally not going to go south because they should be happy. And I was kind of shocked that uh, there, there's like a 5% sleeve of, a, of a, more of a growth strategy and growth didn't do well in 2022. And I was almost shocked that uh, the the disappointment that they like dwelled on it that's the right word and and I was like yeah you know it makes sense though because if you look at the index and this and that and I thought great put that to bed move on and at the very end he goes yeah hold on, hold on I, I just really lo- would like to revisit now this part was good how do we make sure all of it's good and I like I was trying my best to like be nice and calm and and have empathy but I also was like oh my gosh uh, you have unrealistic expectations that if if you don't own something in your portfolio that didn't do well, uh, I stole this from David Bonson, then you're you're not diversified. Like if there's not something you're upset about, you, you're not diversified. And it's true. I, I I've got a front row seat to it every year. Yeah, and sometimes to even make sure that we can get this point across, I like exiting finance. And one of the things I did in the intro was if you've got a teenage daughter that's obsessing over a pimple, you know what I'm talking about. Like if you have a husband that just got a new vehicle and just can't stop complaining and agonizing over a little nick that they got, or you know maybe there's a, 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 a crooked something in the house that just causes all this obsession, I don't know if it's a cultural phenomenon or if it's just how we're wired as human beings. Like I'm do- I-, I will admit it right now. I'm doing it myself. I have a, a brand new Brit Nudas, beautiful house. And there's a few things at that house that just keep me up at night and it frustrates me. And I have to go back to this framing idea of like, whoa, whoa, let me count my blessings. Let me get back into a posture of gratitude. And golly, why in the world is this capturing so much of my energy and emotions? And the hard thing for me as a financial advisor, and I reference it in in the article, there was this great book written by, I think James Clear's author, uh, called Atomic Habits. And he is basically solidifying the point that if you can make small incremental changes across a lot of areas, it can make big impacts. Does that make sense? Like yeah. maybe one thing would be marginal, but but a lot of things added up can make a big difference. So I am submitting that we should focus on everything. But what I'm trying to help clients is not everything can be the most important thing. Yeah, because you only have capacity to make it a priority for so many things and that they, that goes into time management that goes into uh, that I, I think i remember that book it talks about a lot about like you know you establish goals and then you create time management and like a process of little things that will help accumulate to accomplish those goals or at least put you in an environment to be successful and uh it's true it could be like waking up 20 minutes earlier or going for a walk or uh, if it comes down to work make sure you manage your time but if you sweat the small stuff all the time about everything it almost makes everything not as important. Funny story. 
that book, they had to make a revision. Uh, this is funny to me. Maybe it won't be funny to anybody else. But I remember a friend of mine was giving a sermon, and he referenced this book. And he referenced specifically, I don't know what chapter it was, but where they talked about this um, cycling team that had won the Tour de France, or I, I don't know what race it was. And they, he, the author is going through everything the team did. Like, he followed the team, right? Like, like down to the ounce of water consumption, like the down to the millimeter of the, the measurement of their tires and, and all these things. And he was basically saying, this is why they won. All these things added up. Um, he, I'm laughing already. He had to make a revision to the book because they got... Uh, caught cheating. Caught cheating. Oh, no. <laughs> they got caught doping. So I guess if you're not cheating... Did he include that in the chapter? <laughs> no. I mean, if he's paying such close attention. <laughs> no, he went back and made a revision like, hey, all these truths are still true. Yeah. But I have to at least retell this story a little bit. So Yeah, um, that is pretty funny. Yeah, I, thought, I gave my friend a hard time because he hadn't seen like the revision and he gave the sermon <laughs> according to this and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like your points were all good, but... Just so you know, they got caught doping and like... That doesn't actually... surprise me that you caught that. So for those of you that don't know, Trevor has amazing attention to detail. That's why I feel bad for his general contractor because I knew they were remodeling much stuff in the house and he made a list, you know, little things that need to get fixed. This list was quite the list with pictures and notes and I, uh, I could see how you would catch that. He made a big mistake, the general contractor. What, signing up for your job? No, signed, <laughs> he was like, I've got an idea. Let's do a, an iPhone shared notes file, and then you could just put everything on there. I'm like, this is awesome. I wrote a biography. You, you sure did. So, um, but yeah, there we've identified this tension point that these minor decisions are important because uh, in concert, altogether, they can be needle movers. So, what I wanted to help people with to make sure they understood when I'm making a single decision, how does it fit in the context of the whole picture? I am convinced that framing matters. And I admit it in the article that, hey, you might read this and think it's too foo-foo, like, like it's, it's too up in the air, it's too psychology. I don't know what you want to call it. But I'm telling you, for me, this idea of looking at financial decisions as puzzle pieces is a game changer. And the reason I say that is because when I think of a puzzle, the intent is to complete one whole picture, right? And you can see it on the front of the box. This is what it's supposed to look like. So you know the final objective, right? But then there's all these pieces. And if one piece is missing, the puzzle is like, it's not a puzzle anymore. Incomplete. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just not a puzzle. Like, could you imagine like putting the whole thing together and there's just this this missing piece? So all parts are important. But then you also understand if you've built puzzles before, you start with the edges, you start with the corners. Like there's this idea of prioritizing as you build this picture. So why I think this framing is so important is that if you want to agonize over a decision, if you want to obsess over a blemish, a pimple in your portfolio, I I need you to take that decision and reframe it back into the whole picture of your financial plan. And if you're not giving the energy and effort to the corner pieces, right, like whether it's estate planning or or insurance coverage or whatnot, I need to, as your advisor, help you pivot and say, hey, let's tackle these things first. Not to say what you're talking about isn't true or important, but we need to look at what's impactful. You know, what's funny is, uh, as you were talking, it made me think of it, you mentioned, you know, if this isn't like analytical enough or if this is too like high level or 30,000 foot view, 
you may not want to hear this, but that's actually the type of person that probably needs to hear this the most, right? The one that is really in the weeds and cares more about uh, the the particulars of the investment portfolio. He's probably the one that's going to, oh, he or she is going to be the one that overlooks the other things that they may think doesn't matter. And you're right. It, it's our job to show why it matters and why it's important. Yeah. The, the longer I'm in this profession, the more I'm convinced that IQ doesn't get you all the way, right? It, it, that your behaviors are so incredibly important because, and we're not joking about this, like, and we're not trying to poke fun, but some of the most intelligent people I've ever met, like, like people that are brain surgeons, right, have extreme struggles when it comes to financial decisions that I would say are pretty darn easy. Like, don't do that. That is not wise. That is not common sense. But it doesn't translate, right? So there's this idea that um, IQ, uh, economics, like all this stuff, yeah, it gives you a really good foundation. But I probably am in the camp that behavioral economics is probably the most impactful when it comes to personal finance. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that we're not poking fun because we're, we're not. We're, we're making fun of ourselves as well because we do the same thing and we can fall into the same behavioral traps. So that, that's why it's so important that you put together the plan and it's you're able to see the overall picture and then you stick to it. Yeah, and that's why these articles are written to me, right? I need the puzzle framing, right? I need to be reminded when, whether it's myself or somebody else that's obsessing over like this little nuanced piece of the IRS code, uh, like, you know, talking about it yesterday with whether it's HSAs or Roth conversions, and you have to say, hey, let's solve that riddle. But what are the big rocks, right? Like I've heard that concept. I, I don't remember what book it's from. But the idea like for time management or whatever, you take those big rocks, put them in the jar first, and then you pour the sand in after, right? And it'll mm-hmm. fit in between. And it's it's trying to make sure that you have the ability to prioritize. And and again, I wouldn't have written this article if I didn't see this day in and day out where I'm like, why are we focusing on this? What are some of the small things that, are you, that you're seeing people bring up? So one of the things I, I talked about in the article, and I'm, I'm hesitating because I'm wondering, hey, am I convinced of this? And I think I am. I think I'm convinced of this, is that the, the, the end puzzle is two parts. It's your financial plan and your balance sheet. What I see a lot of is when you look at somebody's total balance sheet, how all the puzzle pieces fit together, right? The mortgage on their home, uh, the the cash that they have, the allocation to equities, to bonds, to retirement accounts. I don't see a lot of people going back to the personal balance sheet to see how all the parts fit together. I see people zooming in on one thing, like, hey, my IRA, easy example, right? Hey, I have five accounts with you, Sean. And like, what I really want to talk about today is like, why is the performance on my IRA so different than my joint account, Mm. right? And then you unpack that and you're like, hey, because of taxability, there are different allocations and you get into this idea of asset location. But then you go back to their balance sheet and you see this person has 90% of their money in cash and they own their home outright. And I'm thinking, hey, a better conversation is how are you going to combat inflation for the long run? Mm-hmm. Or you go back to this and, and, you know, they're married with two or three young kids and everything's listed in their single name. And you're like, wait a tick. Like, why are we obsessing over 
doing these backdoor Roth contributions when we haven't even like opened up the conversation about like basic estate planning. Yeah, no, that, that that's a good call. So do you think that uh, once you get the estate plan done and the insurance review and you kind of go through uh, the, the overall financial plan, when when is it time to update or revisit those things? Yeah, I think it's progressive. So I think about some of the conversations, I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate it. It almost feels like checkpoints. Like in a lot of conversations I've had recently with probably people that have a surplus of wealth, right? We've checked all the boxes of like, okay, the financial plan works. Um, all the projections and forecasts show like a really high probability that this financial plan is not going to fail. So then I think you can go into like some conversations I had this week on, hey, what are some things that you've always dreamed about doing, Sean, but you didn't know if you could afford? And for everybody, it's going to be different. Like, hey, I, I always thought about, you know, doing the seed funding for a new nonprofit, or I always thought about setting up, uh, you know, college planning for, you know, future generations within my family tree. I think those things are what I usually get into tackling once you've taken care of kind of the priority items. Is that is that in line with yeah. what you're asking? Yeah, that's exactly what I was asking because uh, I, I think th- there's a percentage of people that their balance sheet won't let their financial plan fail. They're not going to ever run out of money, right? Then there's another category where they need to figure that out. They're still saving. They have a goal. And uh, I think it, when you do the initial planning, it's important because it kind of lets you know where you stand now. And then uh, I've gotten this question recently, like, so when, when do we update this? At that point, it's really two events. Either one, something in the circumstances that we used changed, or if the future circumstances changed, right? So maybe your future expenses are going to be more, or you do have a dream, uh, you know, lake house that you want to buy, and now you're convinced you really want to do that. That's when we need to kind of go back to the drawing board and make sure that it all pencils out. Yeah, and I think you know, as a mature financial advisor, you kind of have a list of, hey, it's it's kind of, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, I can't think of one, but you're almost stepping in and saying, are there any risks here? Like like an auditor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, a, you know, you're stepping in, like, what are possible things that could, you know, really throw off this financial plan? And, and a lot of time you're looking at like, hey, is that a risk I want to keep? Or is that a risk I need to insure? Right. Um, And then you're also looking at, hey, you know, what would a reasonable person think that this financial plan leaves to the heirs? And then does that person understand that's what they're going to do? And once they knew that truth, would it change their behavior today? And for me, that's probably a big topic because most of our clients will leave significant wealth. And my curiosity question, mainly for myself, like this is what I'd want, but I don't want to impose my you know, my own preferences on, on somebody else. But I think I'd probably enjoy seeing the f- person that's going to inherit the money anyway, enjoy it during my lifetime in a reasonable fashion without, you know, putting somebody in a situation where um, it would cause them um, to to stumble or not flourish on their own. Does that make sense? It, it definitely does. And it, it makes sense because most of the time when, if you live a long, full life, your beneficiaries they're going to be long past adults by the time you're passing away and they are inheriting this. At that point, they've kind of already created their life for themselves. They have a career, they have a family, they, all those things are already established. And 
I don't know if the money at that point is going to be as meaningful or or maybe give them the same path if they had access to it sooner. Yeah, and it seems like every estate planning conversation when we're talking about the exclusion and, and, and if you pass that, the, 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 the tax liability and all that stuff, we always start like really simple. Like if you didn't want to do even one legal document, the best way to avoid that would be to spend the money. Mm-hmm. Right, you're not going to be taxed on money that you had spent and lowered yourself from threshold. And people laugh about it, but it's true. Like spend it and give it away is like a really easy estate planning uh, itch to scratch. But in that vein, you can find like, hey, here's ways that you could do that, and people start to get inspired, and they're like, huh, that makes sense. So for me, it goes back to that analogy of the puzzle. Like the puzzle gets a lot easier once you get further along. What's the hardest point of the puzzle? Like when all the pieces are in the box, you don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. So that is the hardest part. The most heavy lifting when you start a new relationship is to say, okay, what are all the things that need to be done? And then how do we prioritize those things to tackle them? And I'll add one more thing. This article is really about distractions. Like, hey, you see the the picture on the puzzle and it's a puzzle of a lion and you're flipping through all the pieces trying to find the lion's nose. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know if that should be your focal point. Right? I don't know if that's where you should start. Yet, most people do that. They have this tunnel vision or something that they want to obsess over. And you spoke to it like in your your example is that it was mentioned in the conversation and then it was circled back again. And, and I see that so much where... I'm trying to learn as a as a good advisor how to help somebody. When 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 I feel like I I help them, you know, grab them by the shoulders, help them pivot, refocus, and then the very next call we go back to the same place, and I'm like, huh, I I, I don't know what to do. Sometimes, if it's an investment position that I don't think is meaningful either way, you know where I go. Just bow out. And just bow sell out. It. Let's just take out. Let's just take this out because it's becoming a huge distraction, and it's not big enough to create a positive impact anyway. So, and then people don't like that. No, because then they go, well, do you think I should own it? And you go, yes, because I've told you 10 times. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, I think that is the the, the part where um, as an advisor, you have to give the advice, you have to give the guidance, and then ultimately it's a, it's a personal decision for somebody else. Uh, you, can, you can lead them to where you think is best. And you're not perfect either. Right, you don't have the monopoly on truth or understanding exactly how all things will hash out. All you're doing is saying, "I've had thousands of these conversations. I've stayed up a lot of nights thinking about other people's money, and this is the conclusion I've, conclusion I've come to." And then the other person is then to decide, "Hey, is this fitting? Is this appropriate? Does this sit well with me?" But man, I can't express enough how much I get that vision of of just a, a teenage girl staring in the mirror, like looking at this pimple, and I'm like. Life, ruining their day. Yeah, life will go on. That is very small. Nobody else cares. That's going to disappear. And there's much bigger fish to fry. Makes sense. And John's nodding. He's actually a little bit ready for a nap. Um, so we will end the podcast there. Uh, hopefully it's helpful. One of the things uh, I always mention is that please do reach out to us with any questions or comments. Uh, maybe there's something in this article or this conversation you disagreed with or you want clarification we are happy to answer any questions you might have. You can reach Trevor or Sean at Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. And then we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on Money. money.
The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.